Season 1, Episode 2. I'm Anita. And I'm Amy. We are in the basement at midnight, telling tall tales and true tales of the paranormal. First, we want to say, hey, Monica, thanks for leaving the first comment on our website. Um, you can also leave a comment at www.inthebasementatmidnight. Um, so we want to talk about what we started with last time because we kind of breezed through everything very quickly. I listened to that last podcast and I thought it was really interesting that um, I noticed when I was telling my stories, I was flying through them. And I think that has everything to do with the town we live in, you know, Los Alamos, um, being kind of surrounded by the scientists and the the non-believers and I've gotten to a point 15 years, you know, into living here that I tend to rush through my ghost stories. It's something interesting to say, but um, I also don't want to give anybody time to judge me. So (laughs) I will try to do this slower next time, this time. Well, that means that you can elaborate on what you talked about before because um, you have some really good stories. Plus... Amy has a paranormal investigation group that she and her husband lead. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the name of that again? It's called LAPIS, L-A-P-I-S, and it stands for the Los Alamos Paranormal Investigative Society. So we have done a couple of buildings in town, and by done, I mean investigated. Um, some on our own and with permission, like we did the Dwayne Smith Auditorium, Um, and the Fuller Lodge Art Center, but we were also like invited by the Los Alamos Monitor, and we're always looking for more of those invitations. We're always happy to kind of pull out our equipment and and see what we can see. So why did the Monitor invite you? Were there experiences that they... Yes. So evidently they'd had experiences... um, I don't know, it's hard to describe the layout of the monitor. You walk through the front door and then straight to the back, uh, you go through the uh, newsroom. And there are the restrooms back there and people were having a lot of uh, kind of feelings and and hearing noises back in that area. And over by the break room too, which when we did the investigation, I was getting such a strong feeling in that break room that I was actually afraid to go in it. I took two steps in and it was so heavy and thick thick and black. I was um, kind of terrified. I had my back to the wall. And uh, wow. normally I can just kind of walk right into it and, and go. But um, but yeah, they were experiencing things in uh, the press room, which that's always hard to get a good reading because it's full of equipment. So the EMF, you know, readings were super high. But uh, so what kind of equipment do you have? Do you use for your investigations? It is very basic. Oh, okay. Right now I've got a long wish list But we do have the EMF um, detector. We do uh, EVP. We've got a little EVP recording, and that seems to be what works best for us. We catch more EVPs than anything else. We have a um, night vision camera that we use that we walk around with. We do, like, uh, the temperature. um, What am I trying to say? The temperature reader. Yes, exactly. Um, We also have something, and I don't know what it's called, but um, it's something you listen into against the wall. And it's supposed to kind of give you those residual sounds. And actually, when I was using that at the Fuller Lodge Art Center, that's when I heard the uh, 1940s music very briefly. So, yeah, that was interesting. But I haven't had much other luck with that. Is there a way to record it, do you think? I don't know. It was so brief. If I would have had my recorder going, it would have, you know... You made think sense, so? but did, I, I did somebody else hear it? Do you think? Or? Well, my husband heard it later, not using that device, um, and it was also brief for him. We did not hear it at the same time, though. But it was in the same area, inside wow. of the um, oh, same area in the yeah. building. Okay, yeah, very cool. So, but uh, yeah, well, like I said, we have a long wish list. We've got a lot of uh, equipment that we would like to obtain. You know, get a nice spirit box and. Maybe an SLS detector and (laughs) all kinds of things. You've also done investigations in Ohio, right? Because that's where you're from. Yes. Well, it's it's hard to travel back to Ohio and bring that equipment. I frankly don't trust the airlines. So we usually will bring an EVP recorder or just use our cell phones. We've actually gotten EVPs on our cell phones. So um, 
we actually decided to go to the Mansfield Reformatory to um, kind of just check it out. You know, it's a busy place. There were a lot of people. You can sign up for a ghost tour where, you know, you stay the night. Uh, That is not what we did. We actually signed up for a full tour of the entire building and just kind of branched off every now and then when we could to try to get those EVPs. Were there other people with you? Tons. I mean, the problem too. Yes, it was. It was difficult. Um, That's not an easy place to get into on your own. Um, But and again, even with the um, the nightly ghost tours that they offer, you're signing up with thirty other people. Oh wow! So right, a lot of people. Yeah, it is. I think they're a little bit more respectful, you know, of of you know distance and you know your volume levels and all of that. But um, we were able. It's a big place. We were able to branch off. Um, we were in solitary, and there was a cat, <laughs> and I didn't know there was a cat here. <laughs> anyway, we were in the um, the solitary area, and my husband had sat down in the cell and was doing EVP recordings, and he actually got this very breathy voice that went, hey. Oh, so awesome. that's the one piece of evidence we walked away, but there were... Um, Lots of other feelings. The showers were terrifying to me. It was the same as the break room at the oh, monitor okay. where I was just kind of afraid to go in, even though it was pure daylight. I wonder if we can insert some EVPs into this. How do you feel about that? I would be more than happy to share. We have some incredible EVPs. You know, some are Class A EVPs, okay. and most of those actually came from Cimarron. Oh, that Cimarron experience. Yes. That was the best experience. It was. That last trip, too. 13 EVPs in one evening directly interacting with us. And so. that's the one... Is that the same... The time that they were banging on the wall? That was a different time. Oh, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. Wow. Every time we go there, it is just a hot spot of activity. Which, it's interesting to me because... I'm sorry, that cat is hilarious. <laughs> it is interesting to me because... Um, we talked to the Santa Fe paranormal investigators, and um, they told us their hot spot was the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas, New Mexico. Oh, and yeah. um, we told them, we asked them about, you know, the St. James at Cimarron, and they were like, oh, we never get anything there. But every time my husband and I will go up to the plaza, nothing. We don't get anything. Um, we even stayed in a room uh, last time when the ghost. Was it um, Zach Bagan's oh, that Ghost room. Adventures? Yeah. So they had stayed. We were in that room after them. We were pulling black tape off up off the floor. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but still, we caught nothing. Did they catch anything? They did in our very room. Wow. So yeah, it was really interesting. I've stayed there twice, I think, mm-hmm. and um, it's you get a creepy feeling yeah well definitely when you go in it's definitely a creepy feeling I think we've stayed there three times but um each time we actually kind of seek out what is giving us that creepy feeling we end up with nothing so it seems like maybe it's just because it's old I mean it it, a lot of the rooms are the original yes very original yes without remodeling and um I think that that kind of makes us think that it's old and haunted. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that influences how you feel about it? I think maybe, but if you actually look into the history of Las Vegas, I mean, that is the wild, wild west. There so was this some... is Las Vegas, New Mexico. Correct. Which is not... Which was why we have it in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was named after... Oh, I didn't know the, that. Yeah, it was named after that because it was the wild, wild west. Okay. And, um, people who went there were like, they want to recreate it out, you know, in somewhere else. Why, though? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot of um, brutality. That's a lot of gunslinging and all kinds of violence. So I can't imagine. But <laughs> yeah, but... And the funny thing that it's known for now is that it, there's there's the mental hospital in Las Vegas. Oh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. Yes. Why do I not know about this? <laughs> I don't know. Be like I should. It's the state hospital that, every, you know, people say, oh, they're going to send her to Las Vegas. That's what they mean. Oh, wow. That's new to me. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm familiar with um, different buildings within Las Vegas, like the Plaza Hotel, but then you get down to the Castaneda, which is down by the train station. 
And then there's the creepy train station. <laughs> Have you ever gotten anything in Las Vegas? Um, no. As, a, as far as picking up actual evidence, no. But we've witnessed some things. I like kind of um, encounters. There is an antique shop directly across the street from the train station. I believe it's called Rough Rider Antiques. They've got a basement. And in that basement, there's an underground tunnel. And you can wow. see the door to that tunnel. And um, that's, I didn't even realize what it was, but I was down there getting all kinds of weirdo feelings. Um, just cold spots, cold spots like crazy. Um, I don't know. You just, you know, the hair on the back of your neck just raises when you go down those stairs. So that's Maybe a cool Maybe because you're looking for them, they're not going to come out. <laughs> Maybe. Well, it's also a retail setting. It, it's never really busy, but um, I don't know how, you know, the people keeping shop would feel about me whipping out my EVP recorder. <laughs> yeah, maybe sometime you can ask. I think I will. I think I will. It's a great place. Maybe they'll let you down in the basement. Well, they have it set up down in the basement with merchandise, and then they have that oh. merchandise kind of piled in front of the tunnel door. Okay, so you so, can't go in the tunnel. No, maybe if you worked there. <laughs> I imagine they can. Or know somebody. It's a matter of rearranging the store. There's a really cool coffee shop there in Las Vegas. I probably went there. That I spent a couple hours sitting in there. It's like this big room, and I think it might have been, who knows, might have had to do with agriculture in the past because there's hmm. just no walls. But um, it reminds me of... Just an old time building. Oh, I love it. Is it right off of the old plaza? Off the plaza, yeah. <gasps> oh, no. I think okay. it's the only independent coffee shop they have, so look for it next time. I will. I, Pretty cool. Las Vegas is another cool place. I, like I said, we haven't collected any like actual evidence, but if you just want a creepy feeling, <laughs> yeah, I highly I, recommend it. I, yeah, staying in the Plaza Hotel, I felt a little creepy, but right. nothing, nothing happened. Right. It was disappointing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I wanted to ask you about, because we talked a lot about um, your experiences, but you went over a little bit about your, you saw a demon. Oh, my Toledo demons. Your Toledo demons. Yes. And you see, I breezed super fast through that one just because I have been telling that story since I saw these little Toledo demons since I was very young and I've not been taken very seriously. I mean, oh, is that why Toledo you're... Demons. I mean, <laughs> sounds like a baseball team. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not a bad idea. It's much more uh, intimidating than the Mud Hens. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so there were two times that this had happened. Um, and I, I wish I could recall exactly the span of time between each experience. Um, I know that I was pretty young. And I would say, I don't know, eight or nine years old when I first experienced it. And that was at my grandmother's house. She lived on Stryker Street, which was the old Polish district in downtown Toledo. Um, I guess it's not a very good neighborhood now, but um, I stayed overnight one time with my cousins. And it's an old building. It was actually the um, house that my grandfather was um, born in, like literally born in. <laughs> in the house. In the house. And they had expanded. You know, they put like a mud room on the back and then they expanded on the upstairs. So there was an old part and a new part upstairs. But even the new part was kind of creepy. There was just a creepy feeling about it. I did not like being upstairs ever. Um, but we were supposed to sleep upstairs, the three of us. And we were too too afraid. So we camped out outside of my grandmother's bedroom door. Your siblings? Uh, no, my cousins. Oh, okay. So it was just it was just the three girls. We were all very close in age. My cousin Melanie and my cousin Jill, and we had our sleeping bags. And um, but yeah, we literally camped out. It was it's this weird little hallway, like in between the kitchen and the uh, living room, because we were too afraid to actually go upstairs and, and claim our, <laughs> our our sleeping place. Was it an attic before it was converted? Well, no. So my dad was raised there, and all of his siblings were raised there. So it was, um, I don't know how they squeezed that many kids into, it was, I mean, four kids, but it was a lot for a really small house. And um, so there was sort of uh, an upstairs storage space, which I guess originally was the boys' space. And then behind the door was the girls' space. 
which at that point in time, it was my grandmother's sewing room. And then the addition was for his youngest sister, Janice. And that was, that happened like in the seventies, this addition. But, um, where we were lying, there was, uh, you could see the light coming through the window on the wall going up the stairs. So you kind of look at that wall going upstairs. You can see the shadow of the banister, you know, in that older part. And that's where I saw the silhouette, the shadow of this little demon. And so was it stereotypical looking like it was? Well, there wasn't a lot about it. The silhouette. What did it? Did it have horns? Yes. Well, yes. So it was was short. Well, one thing I didn't mention last time, too, it wasn't necessarily alone. (laughs) So this little demon, it did have really kind of stunted, inward-turned horns, and it was sort of just floating. And then it would disappear, and then it would come back, and then it would shift. So it was moving, but it was next to something which, this is, I think, what made me sound like super crazy, not the Toledo demon. It was like an alien head. <laughs> it was, we've all seen that yeah. cliche, you know, kind of... Uh, the grays. Yeah. Yes, yes. So that big bulbous head, if I could have put color to it, it would have been that greenish gray with the big black eyes, but this was a silhouette, a shadow oh, okay. cast on the wall. Okay. And it was standing next to this Toledo demon, and I couldn't figure out. I laid there awake for so long. I was waking up my cousins. We were all, like, talking about what this could be. And um, it was on the second floor, so it could not have been outside the window. So they saw the silhouettes, too? Mm-hmm. They were a lot more nonchalant about it than I was. Like, oh. oh, it's probably something casting a shadow. But when we went upstairs the next morning to kind of investigate that, there was nothing there. There was nothing. <laughs> nothing hanging to cast nope. a shadow. Nothing hanging, nothing that would move. Nothing that would disappear every now and then and come back. Wow. So... It's interesting. I don't know how much we're going to talk about aliens, but I know because <laughs> they have their own thing. You know, most people right deal with aliens on a separate channel. But we, I've been reading that sometimes these things blend into each other, the paranormal and, and aliens, because it's almost the same feelings that people get. Okay, because you know sometimes investigators have thought that. They're related somehow. It's mm-hmm. from another dimension, maybe. Maybe the aliens aren't from another universe or right. another world. They might be from another dimension, right. which is what we think um, spirits are, right? Well, right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I've just never thought twice about it. Aliens have never been my thing, yeah, if you will. <laughs> I mean, they just don't grab me. And I think maybe maybe I'm, I'm sounding crazy to myself because I would swear that this was the shape of an alien head, you know, on a neck. It wasn't like a floating, disembodied head. It was... It had a little skinny neck. Yeah. And... I mean, you know, you're, I'm only getting it from neck up. But, um, but yeah, I have no explanation for this. And um, the weirdest part was that, I don't know, maybe a year or two or three later, again, I was young and I don't remember, but I was spending the night at my cousin's. And she was in Rossford. Was she one of the ones who yes. was there? Okay. Yes, she was. So she lived in Rossford, which was just outside of East Toledo at the time. I mean, it still is. <laughs> Rossford has not moved. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but she's moved since. Anyway, um, we kind of took over her brother's room, another one of my cousins, because he had a bunk bed. And she slept on the bottom bunk. I slept on the top bunk. And um, I remember it was a dark and stormy night, and it really was. It was a huge thunderstorm, and I saw those horns again in the window, along with that weird little alien head. And they were side by side again. So maybe it was her who was haunted by them. You know, you got to wonder. I never even thought about that. You're right, Melanie was... I'm going to have to call Melanie. <laughs> Ask her if she's seen anything funny. Um, she might be like all of us who are like, well, there's something weird. I'm, if I don't pay attention to it, it won't bother me. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I do. That is very Melanie. That is really it? is. Yes. You know, so I think she's one of those who maybe doesn't believe, maybe wants to put on the blinders. I honestly don't know. I haven't talked to her, you About know, it. in depth for many, many years. So, 
Um, I mean, she's 1,500 miles away, you yeah, know, so true. it's small talk at this point. But, um, but what was weird about it was that we were on the ground floor, and I started thinking, okay, well, my cousin Matt, it was his bedroom. Maybe he's seeking revenge and trying to scare us. But why is this happening again? These are two very familiar shapes. That little alien head was totally innocuous. I mean, it just kind of stood there. But that demon head <laughs> would just, it would bob. It would disappear. It would come back and sway. And then it would just stay there for hours. And I remember at one point I fell asleep and woke up the next morning. And again, I had to try to get to the bottom of it. What was doing this? I couldn't find anything. There was nothing. It was, like I said, a ground floor window, but it went out onto their driveway. It was pouring down rain. So why my cousin would stand out there for hours in the rain, just trying to freak out Amy, who might be awake in the top bunk? I doubt it. <laughs> so, yeah. Those were my Toledo. That was my Toledo demon. So it, it was two times. Yes, that's but it. it. The point, again, is that your cousin was with you both times. Yep, it's true. It really is true. I, it's funny. I mean, I know that, but I think I was so terrified. Um, I mean, like literally paralyzed in bed and in my sleeping bag that I just never even thought about that. Like I said, I'm going to have to have a word with Melanie. <laughs> Yeah, you never know. <laughs> well, so I, I wanted to talk about one of the, my, um, it's not an event, but something that happened when, when my, when my father passed away, which was, you know, 2009, and I expected something to happen, like something paranormal or something supernatural, and nothing happened, but, you know... It, the interesting thing about him being there when he passed was that he um, he was on morphine because he was he had pneumonia, and so he was asleep for the past you know couple hours, mm -hmm. and then um, they took him off the ventilator because he was not going to recover, and um, <clears throat> and he was on heavy doses of morphine because the, the nurses had said. We want to make him as comfortable as possible, so we're going to give him the highest dose we can. And so at the end, he was taking some really heavy breaths. He opened his eyes, and he said goodbye. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I wasn't sure that that's what he said, but a lot of... There are several people in the room that are about... 15 of us, family members, and they heard it. You know, several of my cousins were like, he said goodbye. I said, are you sure? Because <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. It was like, you know, he had opened his eyes, though, which was in itself weird because right. he was on morphine. Right. And then he um, passed. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, I didn't see any spirit lift out. I didn't see anybody come and take him away. You know, nothing. It was just, he was gone. And... I was very disappointed. In fact, I was like, huh, there's nothing. There's nothing out there. And then when my mom passed away, we kind of waited for several days with her. And um, she was in a coma, too, from, we believe it was a heart attack or a stroke. And we, we waited, you know. Nobody would leave her side. Hmm. We sat there with her. And then they decided to move her to another room because it was an ICU. So we moved her downstairs. And then since we were all away, the, the hospital staff took her away. And um, so we weren't with them. And then they brought her down in the elevator and they started putting her in a room and they said, she's passed. She's oh gone. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just like she didn't want us there. Is that what it was? Well, maybe, I don't know that it wasn't that she didn't want you there. I mean, maybe she was just trying to be as gentle about it as possible. Yeah, and, that, mean, and that's exactly what I think happened. And then everybody kind of went, she's gone? I mean, we were all in the room that we were going to put her in. And um, a couple of people were like, and I, I'm the one who felt this, I felt like, the moon, the the room moved a little bit. Huh. I felt like a little bit of movement, and I knew that 
that was mom. And, you know, the the one thing that happened that was almost supernatural, and I to- told the story and my brother laughed at me. Of course he did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but um, I took all of mom's clothing to the Goodwill and I dropped it off. And, you know, it was like so final because it was an empty container and I dropped it off and I heard this echo. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's when I started to cry. First time. And so I drove back to mom's house crying and I was like, you know, what happened to her? You know, where where is she? And I just, because I was at this point of non-believing about anything. Yeah, that's right. You'd gone through kind of a dry spell. If yeah, you I went through this non-belief stage and I said, mom, if you're anywhere, can you please give me a sign? And I flipped on the light and it was sort of like a ceiling fan light fixture like that mm-hmm. and um the light didn't come on it turned blue and it turned yellow and then it turned orange and then it exploded oh wow energy surge it was an energy surge and i told my brother is it this happened he goes oh that the, that house it has terrible electrical suddenly <laughs> Explain it away. So that is interesting. This is it. This is this was a sign. I mean, it was at the those last words came out of my mouth, and I flipped on the light, and it happened. Wow. Or I could have caused it from my, you know, how distraught I was. You know, maybe I made the energy surge. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I never even thought about that because I've done things to equipment before <laughs> but now realizing it's like why is it always being just you know difficult yeah and then I, the more angry I get at it the the worse it is re- okay I was gonna say I get pretty darn angry at all of my printers techie and, stuff and uh I really have not ever caused any kind of surge <laughs> I should probably knock on wood <laughs> I'm gonna lose my computer tomorrow but those are um, the two you know the two main things that happened to me recently that I'm like I think there's something out there. Yeah. Because I, I really, for a long time, I didn't believe. Yeah. Oh, so that was the moment then. Yeah. Or one of the moments. One of the yeah. moments. Wow. And, you know, I fully believe. I, it almost kind of sounds like, um, okay, maybe it was an old house, but also maybe at your request, you were trying to get somebody deceased to give you a sign. They're going to use all of the energy that is all around them, anything electrical, including that light that you turned on, and that could have caused a surge. And that could have been her. Oh, here's another thing that I remembered about after my dad passed. Um, they, let's see, it was Thanksgiving, so dad passed in September, and then we, the first Thanksgiving, we all gathered at her house, and, um, Mom ha- always has radios playing. She likes she likes music in the background, and so the radio, at some point, it just it turned off, and um, we were like, "Oh, that's the end of that radio." And Mom unplugged it, and we were like, "Oh well." So she then that night before we went to bed, there was Ghost Hunters on or something, mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures, and I said, "So, Mom, what do you believe? Do you think there's something after you die?" Because my mom was a staunch Catholic, and you know she. Truly, I thought she was very religious and very believed in everything. And she was like, I don't know. I don't know what to believe anymore. And that, I was a little stunned to hear my mom oh. say that. Like, she doesn't believe in stuff. So then we talked about <clears throat> the time when I was a teenager where um, we were having dinner. And we were talking about my grandmother and the radio that my mom always had on started changing channels. And my dad said, oh, that's grandma. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> he he immediately that. thought it was, you know, grandma saying hello. Or, yeah. And my, my mom was like, no. I mean, she was a little freaked out by it. But that night, after, on Thanksgiving night, the same thing happened at 3 a.m. It was 3 a.m. because I was annoyed. I heard the radio come on really loud. And I thought, what is she doing? Oh, my God. Did she not sleep? And I was, like, annoyed that she was awake and had the sound on really loud and then I heard it switching channels and I thought eventually she's going to find something she wants and then I heard running down the hall and then it stopped so I asked her in the morning said mom what happened why why were you could you not sleep and she said you heard that I said yeah of course I heard it It was really (laughs) loud and she goes 
I there was a radio. I ran down the hallway and unplugged it, and I said, "Oh, oh, weird, weird." And then she goes, "And I went back to bed, and I." <laughs> Was trying to fall back asleep, and then my clock radio turned on. Oh my gosh! And she said, and I couldn't figure out how to turn it off, so I had to unplug that. <laughs> Something was trying to get her attention. And I said, "What well, do you have the? Did you have the alarm on?" We went and looked at it. There, there was an alarm set for three fifteen in the morning. Of course not. <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> so somehow it turned on, and she was like, "Maybe it was your dad." And oh I said, wow! It was Thanksgiving night, and she thought because it was his favorite holiday that he came to say hi oh my gosh but those are the you know the things that had to do with family I'm just curious do you remember what time your father passed it was in the um it was in the afternoon okay so it wasn't three in the morning just checking (laughs) it was probably about 12 ish one ish in the afternoon because he we'd been there like 12 days with him being ill in the hospital okay yeah um so, yeah, I don't know. It's funny how um, I believe firmly that it was a visitation. Um, I experienced that with my own mother's death. Um, when she passed, I actually just missed her. I was boarding the plane, and my dad sent me a text and said, Amy, she's gone. Oh. I was trying to get out there in time and just couldn't. So I didn't. I wasn't there to see anything extraordinary or not extraordinary happen. Um, in fact, I couldn't even see the body, so I had to. Oh, wow. I had to wait until the funeral, and um, it was right before the funeral. It was getting ready, and there were all these little white, like down feathers everywhere. And um, I was thinking, I didn't think anything of it. I mean, I was rifling through my mom's stuff. I didn't actually expect to be going to a funeral. I didn't pack, you know, to go to Ohio to go to my mother's funeral. I honestly thought I was just going to see her sick. Anyway, maybe I had my blinders on. But I was going through her closets and finding a purse and trying to find something black to wear. And just, I thought maybe a down coat had a hole in it or a pillow, you know, had a rip or something. Didn't think anything of all these little white feathers until... I saw them at the funeral, and then I thought, okay, I carried it with me. It stuck to me, but then they were on the plane on my way back home, and I was going, okay, this is weird because so it's a plane. What do you mean by they were there? Were they like floating in the air? Yes. Or were, oh, okay. So it would be like one little white feather just kind of tumbling down from who knows where, and it would just be one or two sometimes, but I mean, it couldn't have been the same feather over and over again, and and it was just so weird. Well... At her funeral, we played her favorite song, which happened to be White Bird by It's a Beautiful Day. (laughs) That was her favorite. And um, when I got home, I realized that there was this perfect white dove that was living in our backyard or would visit, you know, it was at the bird bath. It was just this beautiful white bird. And so I started telling myself, oh, this is an omen. You know, this is my mother. And I called my sister and she'd had the same experiences with the white feathers Oh, really? She was like, that's so weird, Amy, because I've had, I've been wondering what down blanket or pillow or coat exploded at my house. And so there's been no, we couldn't find anything. Is your sister a believer in it? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. She is just as sensitive, if not more so. So she's had to deal with it all her life, too. Wow. But um, we actually went and got matching tattoos. So this is my white feather tattoo that both she and I got on our wrist, and that was for our mom. Your mom. Yep. It's beautiful. So anytime there's a white feather, even my own daughter, you know, she'll go, hi, Nana. Oh. Right? (laughs) That's the hardest part about somebody dying is that, you know, it's her grandma. Right. Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, made me so upset was my my kid isn't going to be able to experience my my parents right but yeah I know that that's a tough one and I have that guilt because we do live 1500 miles away from my hometown and I couldn't get to my mother in time it was the same with my grandmother um Tallulah had gosh just been born she was probably three or four months old and that's when my father's mother passed and she evidently was so proud of Tallulah 
And she would walk around and take Tallulah's picture to church and to her hairdresser. And <laughs> this is my granddaughter, Tallulah. Oh. <laughs> and um, we just missed her going out there. Oh. So she didn't get to meet my grandma. So I've heard that the reason that people look to paranormal and spiritual is because it's hard to say goodbye. I, I believe and, that. And that so that we look for signs and mm-hmm. and we're seeing things that aren't there because you know we so badly want to still be connected to our loved ones but you know the more that I read and I've spent many many years reading about this there are too many people having these experiences right for it to be nothing or to be all in our heads or and sometimes the even more compelling thing is when there's more than one person yes seeing it yes exactly Yes, exactly. Um, it kind of, this touches upon one of the things that we've talked about in the past too, is um, our ability to see. You know, some people have no experiences whatsoever. They will go through life not believing in ghosts. They've never seen a ghost. They've never experienced it. But um, maybe it is something like uh, losing somebody and wanting to find it that sort of opens a door, opens a window to that sensitivity, that ability to see things. and Speaking of, you told me about somebody you, you, who would seek you out yesterday, or yes. day before yesterday, because they heard you were involved in paranormal investigations. Yes. And was this person a believer? No. So, the, in fact, um, she didn't even seek me out. She happened to be just chatting and I told her about my awesome new Ouija board lunchbox that I had gotten for Christmas. (laughs) Everyone needs one. And um, (laughs) we ended up talking about the paranormal and um, she kind of said, okay, so you're a ghost person. (laughs) She goes, can you tell me whether or not you believe that ghosts might be afraid of snakes? Well, my first thought was, you know, to chuckle inside and try not to offend anybody. (laughs) Um, But she had a valid point. So she started talking about how all of her life she has been around snakes. She grew up with snakes and other reptiles. She um, lives out of state now. She's from here in Los Alamos. But um, she was just visiting over the holidays. So she left her snake and her gecko at home. And she was staying at her mother and father's house. They had gone out for the night. She was downstairs. And she said for the first time ever, she had what she believes was her first paranormal encounter. And she was hearing people upstairs, people walking around. She said it sounded like there was somebody there. But she knew she was all by herself. And this is a single detached house. You know, it's it's on a quiet street. You know, Two story? Yes. So there was an upstairs. <clears throat> yes. But she couldn't figure it out, you know, went up to investigate, obviously didn't see anything. So your voices or just the sound of walking? She said it was walking, like with a purpose, you know, intentional footsteps from point A to point B. Wow. And um, then she started thinking about how she's had snakes all her life and wondered if maybe there's some kind of an aversion. Well, I looked into pets and paranormal Mm -hmm. activity and... Most people who have pets believe that their um, pet has um, connects them to, well, keeps them from being attacked by some spirits. Okay. You know, they, they go right out and say, it keeps me safe from evil entities. But I, I just finished reading a survey that was um, published in the UK, and they, 30% of the people who own pets believe that they have their pets protect them. Okay. So even though it's a snake, I mean, they talked about dogs and cats. Um, it's a pet, you know? Well, right. And she is, I mean, it's a snake and we, we tend to think of our pets as four-legged and furry and, you know, and I admit, I, I don't keep my dogs, you know, to protect me from ghosts, but I will watch for clues, you know, will they stand up? And, you know, kind of stand at attention and stare at a corner. You know, that makes me think, okay, we're not alone here. Um, This person has been around snakes all her life. She knows what cues to look for. She knows when her snakes are acting odd, you know, and maybe, yeah. So maybe she could kind of, without thinking about it, use them as sort of a a guard snake, (laughs) a guard dog. 
not to protect necessarily, but just to kind of uh, catch on to those cues. Well, historically, snakes have been both evil and protectors. Okay. So it's possible that, you know, in her mind, she's set it up to be her protector. That's interesting. I would consider that. I would like to read more on it. I think that the question was absolutely fascinating. And yeah, I'd like to do more research. So maybe by our next uh, podcast, we'll, we'll talk about have an answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know about dogs and cats. There's all kinds of stuff out there about dogs and cats. Yeah. But I never would have thought, you know, what about rabbits or what about... Right. What about a pet spider? <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine a pet spider too much. And I, I grew up around turtles, so I mean, I never got to read those cues, but I also had cats and dogs, so. <laughs> yeah, they're very sensitive. Dogs yeah, they and are. Cats are. They really are. So maybe somebody um, out there who's listening to us has some stories for us. Yes. And if you go to our website, which is in the basement at midnight.com. Um, you can send us an email or um, there's a phone number if you want to call and leave a voicemail. But, you know, an email works too and we can mm-hmm. read it. But we really like, want to, you know, the point of this is to talk about stories. True stories that have happened to people that kind of validate what's happened, you know, p- the paranormal for you. And, you know, we probably still have more that has happened to us that we haven't talked about. Oh, there's a ton. There's an absolute ton of stories out there, I know, between you and me. But um, I know that uh, there are people, uh, we want to hear from everybody. You know, share your stories, and we're happy to share them Oh, yeah, the that's awesome. That, I mean, that's kind of what I think where this is going to lead to pe- sharing of other people's stories. Because to me, those are the only interesting ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I mean, I like, you know, fictional stories sometimes, but usually I'm bored with them because I'm like, Somebody made this up. Yeah. <laughs> but right. maybe these, you know, things that happen to people for in their heads, too. You right. never know. Well, and I've come to a point where I've sort of normalized certain things that I think others might um, categorize as paranormal activity. And it would be interesting to hear others, oh. you know, thought processes, others' experiences. You know, I, I mean, I think about where I work. Um, at the art center, one of the oldest buildings left standing in Los Alamos. And um, there's some weird stuff that happens every now and then. But typically what I hear is whispers out in the gallery. So I'll be in my office and I will hear whispering and it sounds like two people conversing. And I honestly think that there's somebody out there like talking and trying to sneak up on me, but there's never anybody there. And it's become the norm. I hear footsteps on the stairs um, you know, you just hear, I hear something that sounds like a chain. Um, and we carry jewelry, but nothing is ever out of place. But these are all things that are just normal. So you know about residual hauntings. <clears throat> yes. So maybe that's... It, it could very well be. And it feels like that, too. We reach a certain point in the night where, you know, it just starts happening. So... Is it usually at the same time? There, Yes. I would say around 7 o'clock or so. But, um, you know, like six or seven, um, I've also had things go. I've been there till nine because I'm a workaholic for anybody out there listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's when things start to kind of get really weird sometimes, sometimes not at all. But, um, well, but you told me a story about Christmas Eve once. Yes. In fact, last night I wanted to investigate again because it would have been another night where Christmas fell on a Tuesday we would have worked the day after, which was a Wednesday. This happened in 2012. I was hearing all of this stuff. At that point, it was not the norm. I was hearing the whispers. I was hearing the chains. I was hearing the footsteps. And I kept going out of the office like, what the hell? What? Who's here? What are people doing? I was sitting at my computer. And um, there, it is a two-story building. We had a table, one of those big, heavy wood metal tables, move from one end to the other scared the crap out of me (laughs) but then I thought oh it's Wednesday we have life drawing on Wednesdays where we have a live model come in and my boss runs the group so I went upstairs to see if he wanted me to lock up and set the alarm but it was black as night up there there was nobody up there so excuse me 
Um, I was surprised. I was surprised that the door was already locked, that there were no lights on. I went through every single room. And at this point, you know, the hair on the back of your neck is standing <laughs> up just a little taller each time. There was no indication that there was anybody there. So had the table actually moved? Did you see? I don't know because I didn't know where it was in the first place. Oh, okay. It's but a it big, heavy like table. It, yeah, those old... 1960s right. banquet tables. Yeah, are, and it weighs like 400 pounds. Yeah, and, they're not like the plastic <laughs> ones now. No, no. One person can... Yeah, that takes a couple people to put it, those away. It does. And it sounded like it was being dragged. So like one person would have moved it by dragging it. But um, I honestly don't know what I heard at that point. That was so odd. So I kind of walked away like, okay, Amy, you can do this. Let's just go back downstairs and continue to work. But um, that's kind of when all hell broke loose. And um, I kept hearing things. And so I kept going out into the gallery to look. At one point, I had passed by. We have this offshoot gallery that we call the Portel. And there's a lot of external light that comes in. We've got a lot of windows. It was black. It was totally black. And I remember standing outside of that hallway, right at the entrance, like trying to see the closet which was probably only, I don't know, 10 feet away or so, 10, 12 feet. And I couldn't figure out why I couldn't see it, why I couldn't see the handles of the doors. And, um, you know, again, just kind of brush it off. What did I see? What am I hearing? And you could feel the place coming to life. Like it just started waking up under my feet. And um, I mean, all sorts of noises, all sorts of banging and whispers. I continued like a, a foolish person to sit at my desk and continue working on my computer. And then I heard a voice in my ear go, Hey, and it blew the little wispy hairs, got me up out of my chair so fast. And I decided on that night that I didn't need to be there anymore. <laughs> and, um, so I grabbed my coat and my purse. I didn't shut down my computer. I wasn't even going to set the alarm that night. I was so scared. Um, but I remember walking past that portal hallway and I could see at the door. I could see the closet door 10 or 12 feet away oh, again. So, it moved. so there was something there. Um, I went ahead and set the alarm. I have to walk down that hallway. And I went ahead and set that alarm and ran out the door. I didn't have my car, so I had to call for a ride. It was like 12 degrees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but um, I could hear it inside. I could hear like somebody was like running their fingers down the blinds upstairs. So I'm looking upstairs at the windows trying to see movement. And then I look over, we've got a ceramic studio that's sort of, you know, in a different wing. Separate, right. And I can see in, and I remember thinking to myself, okay, the exit light burned out because it usually glows green. And at that point, I watched something black move from left to right, and that green sign started shining again. I was done. I walked off. <laughs> I just sit, uh, like stood out in that parking lot, that icy, windy parking lot, waiting for a car to pull up. And uh, nothing like that's ever happened since. Wow. So I was kind of hoping to go back in last night and um, see if I could catch something, see if maybe it was a little residual, like maybe there's some kind of weird anniversary or whatever it may be. And but try you, to catch that was something. Christmas Eve though, right? No, day after. Day after. Day after okay. Christmas Day. So it would have been the 26th of December. Oh, okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. Darn. And we had a snowstorm yesterday, so it was difficult to right. get around so we didn't do it nope nope I ended up going home early and yeah, it was, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> so um mm. yeah there's some weird stuff that still happens in that building but never to that extent not anymore but someday I will catch it <laughs> on tape yes on video <laughs> there's actually um I don't know if I ever told you this Nita there's um a feeling that I get when I'm in there, especially when I'm setting the alarm, we have the stairs that go up, then there's a big landing, and then more stairs that go up and take you into the, you know, second floor. On that landing, we've got an old chair that was made by the boys from the ranch school, you know, back in the 20s or 30s. And um, every time I turn the corner to set an alarm, it feels like there's somebody sitting in that chair watching me. And I've even gotten the name, like Charles or Rob. I, and I know those are two very different names. I can't help but wonder if it's a first and middle name or what it is. But um, 
when I first started feeling this, I was getting very nervous and started singing to myself in the gallery. Specifically, You Are My Sunshine, because that was the first song that popped into my head. And um, it's weird because the mood, there was this sort of um, uptight kind of... uh, I don't know, angry sort of mood. And as I sang, you felt it sort of melt away. And um, I, I kind of do this now by habit. Every time I'm there alone setting the alarm, I sing, you are my sunshine. And then I'll say, okay, goodbye, I'll see you tomorrow. And that kind of, and then they play games with the alarm, you know, like a door will open somewhere and I'll be like, okay, that's not funny. I really need to go. <laughs> and then the alarm, like the green light goes on, somebody closed the door so I can set the alarm. This happens every single night. Wow. And um, I was talking to a friend, Jocelyn, um, who worked for the county for a while. And uh, her husband's a musician. And he said that he knew of another musician who used to play here in Los Alamos, you know, 20, 30 years ago. There was an old gentleman who would always come up at the end of his gig and ask, like, request, you are my sunshine. And I can't help but wonder. Was he Robert Charles? (laughs) I know, right? I want to know this person's name. I want to find out more about this person. So a little more research on my end. Well, I was going to say the names of the ranch school boys are probably public record that you could find all the people who attended that school. Oh, yeah. So maybe there's a Robert Charles. Yeah. And that, that feeling of what you were saying is like oppression. I've heard that that that's what the school was like. The oh, boys, really? That they were, it was supposed to be, you know, make these boys men right. type of Right, place. rugged living. But a lot of the boys who were there didn't want to be there. You know, it was, their parents made them go because they were worried about them. You know, they were worried they were too effeminate or too sickly. So they would send oh them God. to um, the school to, you know, toughen <clears throat> these guys up and, Wow, interesting. So I wonder if that feeling of oppression, you know, still hanging around that building. Because you have to wonder for sure. Gosh, now we really want to get into the lodge to investigate. (laughs) The lodge is the original boys' school. So the art center is sort of a wing. For those of you who are not familiar, (laughs) yeah, that one's that was built in the fifties, I think. Right? Yeah, late forties, early fifties. Yeah, and the ranch school was in nineteen twenty. 23. I thought it was before that. Oh, no, I think it was 23. Okay. I'll have to look, though. <laughs> but, but there's uh, always been people in this area. You know, this was native land, mm-hmm. and people lived here, homesteaded here. They grew crops, and then they got kicked out. Right. Right. Yeah, so there's tension. There's t- a lot of tension. <laughs> so maybe there's feelings about the, you know, people who are here now. Right. Right, exactly. The ancestors who abide in the rocks that live here. Well, I love doing the history part of it. I love looking up, you know, the research and, and looking at county records and seeing, you know, if I can get names or any kind of history about a place. So I'm seeing this as a homework assignment, <laughs> but one I'll enjoy. Yes. <laughs> so we're getting, we've been doing this an hour. So um, we're running out of time. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> So what, what, we, what I want to reiterate is that people need to send in their stories. Yes, please. And this is mostly for you. And I think we'll be back in two weeks. We decided every two weeks is the best for us. Um, who knows? It might change. But right now, that's the, with our schedules, every two weeks is going to work. So for now, we will say goodbye, and we'll see you next time.